Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to my April show. And the announcer said, uh, listen to interesting people. Well, I hopefully I'm interesting because I'm the only one on the show today. Uh, we have a little bit of a challenge with our schedule, and that's okay. It's time for me to do sort of a whole show where it's solo Mia or solo Mio to to chat with you and some share with you some ideas and some information. And we'll have uh, guests in studio next month in May, as well as June and, and the other months. But this is a different type of show. It's it's sort of a the, the doctor is speaking with you directly and or sharing with you directly. So this is my show today. So first of all, welcome to the month of April. Spring is in the air and we are grateful winter is over. Everything's in bloom, as you can tell. It's 90 plus degrees here in Arizona. So yay, it's spring. Spring's here. And even better, it looks like the pandemic is sort of calming down. I mean, do you remember where you were a year ago, right, in the midst of the the onset of that? So whatever madness and badness was uh, it hit us a year ago, it's easing off is what we can tell. And where I live in Arizona, people are out shopping, they're dining out. Yes, they, we, uh, you know, we encourage them to wear masks, to social distance, do smart things. But the good news is the vaccine. And as of this week, we have over 106 million people in the U.S. have taken, have taken at least one dose of the vaccine. And we've got the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and until recently, the Johnson & Johnson Janssen vaccine, which has been pulled because of, I think, six episodes of clotting. So hopefully they'll get back that on the market. I've had several patients who got that vaccine, and the good news was you were one and done. You didn't need a, a booster. But what we're hearing now about boosters is the CEO of Pfizer recently announced that they may require or may be developing a booster for the Pfizer vaccine. And we might eventually need an annual booster, just as we do with our flu vaccines. So the question is like, okay, I've got my vaccine. Now what? What's going to happen? And so this show is about exploring what it means to be vaccinated. And most importantly, how do we move forward to the, quote, new normal and what, what that means? But before we go to that, let me do my usual honorable mentions. April, I just love the month of April because so many people near and dear to me celebrate happy times. I first start off with my family members. Next week, my one and only grandson, Alex, turns four. So, and I love to ask, you know, how old are you going to be? And he holds up his fingers, I'm going to turn four. And two days later, his father, my son, Andrew, turns 34. So happy birthday, guys. Uh, last year at the start of the pandemic, I remember we celebrated my grandson Alex's third birthday, and we did that by a drive-by. We drove by the house, we dropped off the gifts, we waved to him, we physically distanced, and then that evening they did a Zoom call with the family, we sang happy birthday, and I think Alex really liked that. Sort of cool. Now for his dad, Andrew, I also dropped off gifts in advance because his birthday is two days later, and do you remember the toilet paper issue we had last year? Well, I, my special gift to my son for that birthday last year was a roll of toilet paper because it was really difficult to get any of that. Now, you can look, go to your store now. Can you find toilet paper? Can you find Clorox wipes? Absolutely. Don't you feel the abundance of that? So isn't that a good sign that the madness and badness is waning? Also in the month of April, my newest daughter-in-law, Aaliyah, who lives in Minneapolis with my son, had a birthday this month. So happy birthday, belated birthday. And my dear friend Maddie has uh, had a birthday as well. We're going to celebrate later this month. Other birthdays of very special people to me are Reverend Richard Mirage, who's been on my show before. He's my minister at Unity Spiritual Center here in Phoenix. So belated birthday. Eddie Sturman, old friend of ours, turned 80 this month. Happy birthday, Eddie. Adrian Salyer, Astarte Barnett, shared a birthday last uh, two weeks ago. Rick Lewandowski, who works with uh, my practice in Michigan. Um, happy birthday, buddy. Hardy Good had a birthday. David Borneman, John Spears. Don Pruitt's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Donald. Yeah, I know you're celebrating in Sedona. 
Scott Colson, Teddy McLean, Daniel Bunn has a birthday on April 23. His birthday is two days after my son, Andrew. Happy birthday, Dan. Jennifer Adams uh, celebrates a birthday, and my dear friend Lillian Evidente. Also the month of April, there's several anniversaries. Bob and Margaret Houston, 49 years. Congratulations. Uh, They celebrated in Wichita next year, the big 5-0 years of marriage. Andrew and Aaron, my son and his wife, celebrated seven years this past Sunday. And uh, also birthdays, actually a birthday, uh, actually a birth today of Tom and Lisa Scaglione's grandson, yet to be named uh, the the son of uh, their daughter, Dana, and her husband, Alex. My dear friend Lisa passed uh, last year, and uh, Grandpa uh, Tom, who friends and I have met with last night, knew that uh, Dana was in labor, so congratulations on that beautiful baby boy. And then some sad things. A patient of mine, Rob, uh, passed away on Monday. Condolences to his wife, Susie, and the family. Uh, Dear friend Sonia spoke with me that they're going to have Shiva uh, later uh, this week uh, to be supportive of Susie. So I tell my friends, as a widow, I'm particularly sensitive to other brand new widows. The The widow club is a club that most women don't want to be members of. It's sort of thrust upon us. And I, when I do visit other widows, I usually give them a little space, but when it's time to visit them, I, I bring them my little widow pack. It's It's a gift bag with a big box of Kleenex and little mini Kleenexes for their purse, but the big box of Kleenex. Usually uh, the car is a good place for crying. And uh, I also give him Joan Didion's book, The Year of Magical Thinking, and I give him Dave Rico's book, Five True Things. And you'll remember Dave Rico was on our show about the five true things in life. And as we talk about the circle of life of the birth recently of just today of, of the little baby uh, of Tom and Lisa's grandson, but also of, of the passage of time with Rob uh, passing on Monday. We celebrated this month recently Passover and Easter. So it's a time of renewal, of rebirth. And spring brings you that concept of rebirth, of new flowers coming out from the winter and and the hope and the sunshine and and I think with rebirth comes hope. What's what's next, right? So as you look at that, as we recall a year ago where everything was shut down, sort of our winter of our lives, everything was shut down. You couldn't leave the house. You were told to stay away from people. We lived in fear. Now with over 100 million Americans being immunized, the restrictions are lightening up. Social settings are being lifted. In Arizona, dining in restaurants has been open for actually several months now. Our numbers are down. Uh, People are dining out. They're going shopping. I remember being at a restaurant about two weeks ago and walking out of it, and and a group of people were embracing. They were wearing masks, but they were hugging each other, and they said, yay, we got our vaccines. It's okay to eat out. So isn't that a wonderful thing? And and I shared with people I was happy to get both my doses of Pfizer as a healthcare worker in Arizona. The first dose was de- December, the second dose in January. I had very minimal side effects of uh, from that, just a little headache. The, the only worst part was your your arm is sore, right? But you don't. I didn't have any fever, chills, maybe a little headache. I've have over three hundred patients in my private practice. Sixteen of them over the last year did test positive for COVID. Among them, two were hospitalized for pulmonary embolism, so which is blood clots into their lungs, and they did need blood thinners. So that's obviously it's a small population of patients. They're sort of a select group of patients, very affluent, uh, keep in touch with things, and, and very cautious, particularly about that, very health conscious. Fortunately, no deaths in, uh, from COVID in my practice. We were really fortunate. We were spared the deaths and, and mortality, morbidity from COVID which is at this point claimed over 560,000 lives in the U.S. Uh, and 2.9 million lives globally. So, you know, let's, let's move on. Let's get people vaccinated. Let's, let's find medications that can treat COVID once, once people get it, should they get it. So we look at that. I look at also the, the share of suffering as a result of this vaccine in people's lives, the social isolation, the anxiety, the fear depression, 
increase in alcohol use, pain medicines, insomnia. Several of my patients who, who have died this past year didn't die from COVID. They, they died from cancer, heart disease. But when they died, sadly, they, they weren't having a lot of family members at the side and didn't have funerals. Uh, and that was the, the difficult thing. As they were in the hospital, they limited who could visit and say goodbye. Uh, there And you read all the time about families, that members who died during COVID, there was nobody there holding their hand. It was the nursing staff. So the, again, in, in, un, you know, unbelievable suffering as a result of this virus. And it's also altered our behavior. You know, wearing a mask, I, I feel naked now. I go outside, I'm not wearing a mask. My gosh, I'm exposed, right? And then physically distancing, even when I go for a walk, if I see another human being walking towards me, <laughs> I instantly avoid them. I don't make eye contact. I turn, make sure I have my mask so they can see, even though I've got both vaccines. And it's a little crazy, isn't it? But then I, I just, you know, don't get, don't, don't get near them. Who shakes hands anymore, right? Remember the business uh, protocol? You shake somebody's hands, look in their eye, forget it. And then, you know, the French custom where they kiss cheek to cheek, I don't think they're doing that anymore. So look how it's modified our behavior, so then I look at, well, how good is the vaccine? You know, is that, is that really going to work for us? We've been battling this virus for over a year, and the vaccines have gotten use uh, approval through the FDA through something they call the emergency use authorization, which means that experts have not really had a lot of time researching them for their long-term effectiveness, but enough time to say, okay, they're safe enough to distribute, but it's ongoing. We're, we're continuing to observe you in this research, right? You know, we don't know what's going to happen 10 or 20 years down the line, although they tell us messenger RNA vaccines have been studied for about 20 years. So that's good. It's also good news that the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been developed not with messenger RNA, but using technology similar to our other vaccines with an inactivated uh, adeno or cold virus that they use, similar to what we use for our flu vaccines. So research is ongoing. You've got to realize that we're, we're, we're sort of flying and building the plane at the same time. And there are a lot of educational guesses, so I'm going to share that, those with you, because you've probably heard about them as well. A lot of clinical trials where we're studying patients and people like us, that they've studied people where they look at the protection you get from the vaccine, and it lasts at least 90 days, right? And why do they say 90 days? Well, they've had like 90 days to study them. But that's how long they studied those uh, people in the study who got Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson. And it was a 90-day trial. Well, those people had pretty good immunity after 90 days. They had the antibodies. <clears throat> well, what they found with Pfizer, usually the uh, people had 91% immunity 8 to 14 days after the second dose. But now they're seeing 90 to maybe 60 uh, 90 days to maybe six months after the vaccine, maybe longer. And sometimes you'll hear experts say, well, you, you just need a one lifetime dose of vaccine, you're good. You know, just like our measles uh, vaccine we had when we were kids. But it's just to be seen. So a lot of doctors out there will, are saying that the vaccine or the virus may wind up being like the seasonal flu, where every year you get a vaccine, just like your flu vaccine, right? Because of the strains that are mutating, which we're watching closely. So initial evidence, again, says that there is immunity from vaccines from coronavirus, uh, hopefully long-lasting protection, more than 90 days, so we'll keep our fingers crossed. There was a report from Pfizer showing that people in South Africa who did get the vaccine after the recent variant became dominant was that they did have good protection against that variant. So that, that to me, is, is good news. And, uh, you know, very hopeful about that. But still, it's a miracle that a year out, we have a vaccine and then we're immunizing people for that and starting to open things up. So keep our fingers crossed. And I think still focus on your overall health because you got to build your resi resilience. The people who, whose lives were taken from this vaccine were the debilitated, the elderly, people with low vitamin D, the people who are on immunosuppressive medications, uh, people who've had kidney transplants, the diabetics. But in many studies, you see the biggest risk factor was obesity. People who were overweight, there was something about obesity, maybe their predisposition to diabetes that made them more prone. So, 
you know, take care of yourself. You know, if you get the vac- if you get sick from that, make sure you take care of yourself, make sure you get help. But I think, you know, you can vaccinate all you want. There's no 100%. And my patients who have gotten the virus, they say that their immunity is pretty darn robust, that the sicker you are, you have a stronger immune response. If you did get the virus, they say, according to CDC, you should wait about 90 days before getting your vaccine. Some people wait a little bit longer before you get it. And then when you get your vaccine, you know, what to expect. We caution people, don't premedicate yourself with Advil, Aleve, Tylenol, because you, you want your body to mount a good immunologic response with antibodies uh, when you get it. So, you know, if you're going to feel crummy, you know, we accept that. But, you know, after you get your shot, then you can give yourself some Tylenol or something if you feel miserable, headachey, getting chills. It's not uncommon. And it's a good sign. It means your immune system's working. Well, what if you don't have any of those symptoms? It still doesn't mean you're going to get good immunity. It still means you have good immunity, even if you don't have any symptoms. So as long as you get the vaccine, it's a good sign. So we're going to pause here for a little break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about uh, opening up to the new normal after everyone gets vaccinated, as many people as possible. So stay tuned on House Calls with me, Dr. Connie. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thanks so much for listening in. I'm in studio by myself. I know, but I'm not lonely because I know you're listening in. And I'm just talking about the vaccine and also about the new normal and what that's going to look like. So as we know, more and more people are getting vaccinated. Over 106 million people in this country have gotten their vaccines, and that's growing. So what's next? And one of the things I still remember when I ask what's next, I remember what Dave Rico, the psychologist from Esalen, 
had said on our show about about resilience and about moving on with life, when things happen, things that are unpredictable, when there's loss, there's change, when you accept it, the next thing to say, rather than why me, is to say, now what, right? So now what? What's next? So how do you know what's next? And how do I know things are normal? And what is normal going to look like? So are things coming back to normal? Well, there are signs. I mean, the I've read that Major League Baseball fans are back in the stands rather than cardboard box cutouts. Uh, big trade shows are now coming back to Vegas. Somebody, one of my friends who's going to Vegas this weekend says all the hotels are open. <laughs> Disneyland reopened. It's welcoming only California residents starting April 30th. And they've sharply reduced their attendance, but they're opening. Walt Disney World has been open since July with, again, restrictions with the face mask and and uh, screening, some forms of screening there. And definitely a lot of people are saying the airline travel is up. <laughs> the airlines are even booking the middle seat. They still require masks in the airport and on all the flights. The only time you can remove your mask is when you're actively drinking or actively eating. And that's hard, especially for kids, for people with little kids. And some of the moms were saying, well, just keep feeding your kid, right? It was like, good grief. So isn't that sad? I mean, we have to do that in order to comply with the, the masking. And then you wonder, well, if I've gotten the vaccine, why do I have to mask? And that's something we, we keep asking them. If I've gotten the vaccine, I'm not going to give you anything, although they say 5% or less, but that's a low number. And I always think, well, if you're less than, you know, if you're sitting right beside someone and I'm not talking into your face, do I have to wear a mask? And people get nervous about it. So now they still require that you wear the mask so that you don't breathe on somebody. Uh, other signs that the things are easing up when we're trying to return to normal is that hotel rooms are being booked. Live concerts are back on the books. Indoor dining is ramping up even in New York. People are going back to New York, which was the epicenter for quite a long time. But things aren't really back to business as usual. As you know, a lot of people are working from home as companies are continuing to push back their return dates and as school closures still prevent parents from going to back to the office to, to reopen them. Cruises, well, that's still up in the air. They're still waiting to decide, although I have patients of mine who on our June show are huge fans of cruising. They've cruised everywhere, and they've already booked a riverboat cruise for this fall. So I think that that may happen uh, with some restrictions on that, but we shall see. So there's a lot going on. So have you adjusted to the current changes from a year ago? You know, adjustment is, is, is a stressful thing. You know, what do you do next? How do I handle this stress? This is all stressful. And stress is definitely predominant, and it's bad for your health. And you wonder, well, is there a way to make stress into something good for you? Is that possible? I mean, if, we're, if we study people and they have cortisol increase and adrenaline increase and epinephrine, those are things that make you stress. But those are things, those are hormones that make you excited. So, yes, you, you can use stress to improve health and well-being. And there are research studies that support that. Over a decade of research shows that it is not the type or amount of stress that determines its impact, but it's really our mindset about stress that matters the most. So think about, it's your mindset. They did a study with 30,000 Americans, and those who had the highest levels of stress were 43% more likely to die only if they also believe that the stress was bad for their health. So, you know, we all have stress. If I just say, hey, I, I work all the time, but it's a good stress. It's like, you know, I should be okay, right? Gets me going, gets me up every morning, can help people, I'm productive. I look at that as good stress. I don't think that's going to kill me. So in contrast, those who experience high stress but did not view it as harmful were the least likely to die compared to any other group in the study, including the people who experience very little stress. So it's how you look at the stress. It's your attitude towards that. So they had researchers named Carrie Leibowitz and Aliyah Crum were their names, and they're from Stanford. And they wrote an article about changing mindset that not only lessened stress, but made people more productive. So think of that. So they have a three-step procedure on how to change your mindset about stress, but also the advantages, the good part is, the perk is you got to be more productive. The number one 
step that they had in their technique was acknowledge your stress, right? I've got stress. Talk about it. Acknowledge it. Don't be in denial. First step, you make it work for you. You simply see and acknowledge your stress. You label it consciously. And by labeling that you're having stress, you deliberately move the neural activity in the brain from the amygdala, which is the center of emotion and fear, that's the amygdala, to the prefrontal cortex, front of the brain, which is responsible for the executive control and planning. So you're shifting your consciousness from the primitive layer center of the brain to the one that's the more refined executive thinking part of the brain. You're going from more of the animal type of fear and running away from it to something that can use it into a very uh, civilized, more higher functioning power. So in other words, when you take a moment to acknowledge our stress, it moves us from operating from that fearful reactive place to a position where you can actually be thoughtful and deliberate. And it, it's, it becomes something known as ironic mental processing. So when we try to avoid thinking about something, say how stressed we are about the virus, our brain tries to help us not to think of this by constantly checking in with us to see if we're really thinking about it, right? So, you know, imagine that there's a elephant in the room. Well, gosh, I, I'm trying to avoid that elephant, right? But by consciously checking on it, you're still thinking about it. And your brain keeps pinging and asking, are we still thinking about it? Are we still thinking about it? Well, of course you are. So it adds more to that stress and it's counterproductive. So number one, name it. This is what's bugging me. This is really, I acknowledge that. Own up to it. Don't be in denial. The second step about mindset and being productive as a result is own your stress. They call it own your stress. You welcome or you own your stress. Now, why would you want to welcome stress into your life, especially during a pandemic? I mean, we only stress about things that we care about, right? So by owning your stress, we connect to the positive motivation or personal value behind our stress. If we deny or avoid our stress, we may actually be denying or disconnecting ourselves from the things that we value and treasure most. So in order to connect with the values and goals underlying your stress, just try completing the sentence is what the researchers say. So try this. Say, I'm stressed about blank because I deeply care about blank. So you, you link it to something of value to you, right? I'm stressed about this virus because I deeply care about the people who might get it and die from it, right? So there's an emotion there about caring of other people about helping them. And so not only have I owned that stress, but I acknowledge there's an emotional component to it. So I've, I've owned that. The third step involved with channeling your mindset is use your stress. You're going to channel it. You connect to the core values behind your stress, and that sets you up for the third and most successful step, which is using and leverage, leveraging the stress to achieve the goals and connect more deeply with the things that matter most. So Ask yourself, are your typical responses in alignment with the values behind your stress? You know, for example, if you're worried about your family getting sick because you care about their health, is snapping at them or yelling at them for not washing their hands for long enough, is, is that the best way to protect your family, right? So just, just look at your behavior. Look at how you're looking at it. Look at how you're channeling that. If you're worried about the impact of coronavirus on society, is seeking out constant news coverage the best way to help support your community during this time? Is it really going to help or is it just going to make you more upset and angry? So think about how you might change your response to the stress by better ways to facilitate your goals and, and the purpose of it, right? Channel it, find another way to do it. And I've talked with a lot of my patients during this time and most of my calls have really been how finding inf information because there's a lot of misinformation and managing the fear that comes with it and empowering them that don't let the fear take over, that you react, but acknowledge that. And by owning up to it, let's say, why are you, why is the fear? Where is it coming from? I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to lose my family members. I'm going to lose my job. What can we do that's productive to channel that in, in face of that, that adrenaline that's getting you worked up? How can I use that to a better way? And I have friends who channel that by exercise. <laughs> they get on their, their Peloton. They get on their bike. Uh, they channel that energy, that anxiety. They go for a walk. They break from that thing. I tell them, stop watching TV. 
if you cannot control what's going on, then, then walk away. Don't get in a fight. Don't yell or scream. Just go for a walk. Uh, you can, you can uh, text someone of your friends, talk to somebody, reach out, uh, vent, listen to music. Some people will do that. Something where you use your energy that's, that is pent up inside and has some place to go. And you just have to find things that are, that are better for you. And I've had quite a few patients who use this year to get healthier, that they heard about people gaining 15 pounds during the pandemic, the COVID-15, and uh, the COVID-19, and gaining 19 pounds or more, and changing that to losing weight by eating healthier foods. In a lot of ways, by changing their diet and their activity, they did get healthier, and they were able to resist getting sick. Or if they did get sick, they weren't, they weren't sick very long, and their symptoms were minimal. And that some people have told me that, quote, one of the gifts of the pandemic was that they were the healthiest they've ever been that it brought them to a point that realizing that what I do, who I expose myself to uh, in terms of viral load and who is in front of me, who may cough on me, how I wash my hands, what I eat, whether my vitamin D level, all impacts my risk factor to getting the virus in the long run. But it, in the end, it's about how do, you, how do you preserve your life, your sanity, your wellness. And it's given a lot of people an opportunity to pause. I mean, when you're sheltering in place at home, which most people aren't home a lot, right? You go home, you have your dinner, you change, you get up, and you and then you're out the door. But the fact that you're really home, and that's really changed a lot of things that they've actually had time to pause. And I, and I call it, it's the great hit the pause button time. It really made you pause and reflect, reflect about what's important. And a lot of people I know are retiring. I, I had dinner last night with some friends. One of them is a professor at a college, and she turned 70 this year, and she says, I'm, I'm going to retire from education. I've decided after this pandemic, life is too short, and you know my I, time is fleeting. And after facing mortality, the threat of mortality with the pandemic, that I want to move on and do other things. I want to enjoy my free time. I want to get out and travel when things open up, hopefully next year. I want to go do that. But also reflect on what's important about your family or your friends, your faith. I, I see my patients who at end of life, and I have a few patients who are atheists, and that's their, their choice. I respect that. But the ones who have no faith, who don't think there is an afterlife, suffer the most, I think. I think they cling on to, to this life more tenaciously. The ones who are more accepting of end of life and are more grateful, I think, of what's going to happen and, and more curious about what happens next, the ones who have tremendous faith. I think that of all has reassured them. And talking to the family members, talking to my widows, you know, if I can tell someone that I believe in my faith that their loved one is on the other side of the veil, as they say it, in heaven which really stands for expansion. Their, their spirit has moved on. Their physical body is no longer here, but their memories are still with you. Their love is still with you. Their spirit's with you. And for those, for those of you, my friends out there who believe in mediums, which I do, and, and I have several medium friends who are able to connect you with the other side and give you proof, as evidential mediums do, that your loved one still exists, that their spirit and memory are there, their physical being is gone, but they're a higher spirit, a higher vibrational frequency, as they say. The soul exists, the soul is never destroyed, and it's there. And so it changes your perspective on life and suffering and, and what we're going through. So it's really that pause, the pandemic pause, as I call that, the pause of the pandemic that makes you reflect about life, about meaning. And then the next thing is, how do you reset yourself? What's, what's, your, what's your next plan? What's next, right? So what's next is a break. We're going to pause for a little break here from our sponsor and then come back on Dr. Connie's house calls to talk a little bit about how you hit the pause button, what do you do, and, and how to get through that next in a, in a healthy way. So stay tuned on house calls with just me, Dr. Connie, on house calls. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We're talking about trying to move forward in the new normal as more people have gotten vaccinated and and things are opening up. And what does the new normal look like? And we're trying to get glimpses of that and how things have been modified, how people are working more from home. And that really has impacted uh, a lot of lives significantly among those of us who are working. I, I know both my sons have worked from home since the start of the pandemic. Their, their lives consist of getting up early, going on Zoom calls. And, but as things are opening up, they're, they're doing more of a hybrid model at many companies where they're having people come into the office on certain days or going online and logging on to sort of reserve a room, having meetings there. But eventually, hopefully, we'll go back to meetings with the whole group sooner or later, later because people miss seeing people. And there's something about the energy of an office place but it, it also changes, I think, you know, with working from home, there's been a huge paradigm shift with that means. And I, and I see it from my patients who are used to coming into a clinic and seeing a bunch of people there. Well, no, when you come into my clinic, it's just myself. You have to wear a mask, come in, you know, we let you in. Maybe one other person's there, but it's not like a whole bunch of people running around in a small private clinic. And I think what's happened is the shift about working from home that it used to be, if you're working from home, people used to think, oh, you, you must be slacking off, right? You must be just, you know, watching TV or Netflix all day and, you know, eating popcorn. And, and, you know, I see it from myself. When I work from home, I actually am more productive that I get up early. First thing I do is I answer all my calls. I look at my email early in the morning. And throughout the day, I'm, I'm literally, you know, connected to my, my phone, my computer screen. If I if I have patients I, uh, who are scheduled to see me, I go up to my office and see them there. Or if I need to do a house call, I'll go do that. But it's go, go, go. And I find I am probably more productive in a lot of ways in one hour. Rather, if I, I normally reserve 90 minutes for a physical, okay, I'll see one patient, 90 minutes. But yet in that 90 minutes online among my patients, I can answer 
my goodness, you know, 30, 40 emails and phone calls and all that, boom, 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 one after the other. So it, as long as you're, for me, available and responsive, that's important. But I, I think as I look at what this pandemic has done, it's it's hitting, as we say, the pause button and made us reflect. And it's hit so many people in that way. As I talked about my friend who's looking at retiring, and there were several articles in the paper have talked about how Americans were are looking forward, but rather than seeking to unfreeze and restart the pre-pandemic life, they're going to move forward in a different manner. I mean, what's the new normal is really influenced by what we thought about, what was important as we paused to reflect. And I think that's important. A lot of people who went into the pandemic are saying, I'm not the same person I am coming out of the pandemic as the one who went in. They're emerging with new goals, priorities, concerns. That long pause that forced both isolation and introspection has been really a catalyst to change the course of their lives. And some people have taken up hobbies. Uh, they've reconnected with friends they had a long time ago. They've called them up. Hi, how are you doing? They've had more time with their grandchildren. People are raising their grandchildren. Uh, they set up nonprofits. Uh, millions of Americans are now deciding uh, what they will consider. How do you create your new normal as we're vaccinating more and more people again? And so that is an opportunity, right? Out of crisis comes an opportunity to do something back. You know, do you want to pivot back to the life you had pre-pandemic? Was that too crazy? Or do you like being at home? And you see it arise in the construction industry, a rise in building. People are renovating they're, because they're spending more time at home. They're renovating their space, they're, that special space that they have. So there's all these reactions. And there are people who think that once the pandemic is over, we have herd immunity, the roaring 20s will be back, we'll, you know, sort of crazy time. But I think people will still be pretty cautious about what's going on. I mean, we'll celebrate, but you, you want to recover from being burnt out of the pandemic. It's interesting. I had a talk about a month ago with uh, some people who work in Hollywood looking at different television series concepts, and they were telling me that the no-fly zone in Hollywood now, meaning don't touch those topics, are two things, politics and COVID. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to do a show about that because people are burnt out. They're, they're tired of it. They want something fresh and new. And, I, and again, going back to the new normal, you know, uh, as people are getting vaccinated, they're coming out of their cocoon very cautiously. My, my introverted people are saying, oh, nothing new has happened with that because they've always been doing that. But it's really a time to be looking inward and growing and, and saying, really, what's important to me, right? You look at your mortality, your mor morbidity, uh, who's important in my life. I have seen that particularly losing my, my beloved husband 21 months ago and then losing some dear friends like my friend Lisa last year. I mean, what happens next? You know, what do you want to do with the rest of your life as this opens up? And, and how do you respond? And I keep thinking, you know, you hit the pause button in this time of difficulty. You take a deep breath. You pause. You reflect. You think. You feel what's going on. And then you respond in a responsible manner. And how do you respond? And I think, number one, kindness above all. And one of the things I see have, that we've missed in our world over the last year is the element of kindness going through a very difficult political time, whereas the kindness towards each other, right? Let's be kind. But also kindness along with optimism. And that comes with spring and rebirth and new hope. You know, optimism. Can we aim to embrace and practice optimism, being positive? And there's research about that, that optimism can have a direct impact on your health. Optimism is a good thing, right? It's part gen genetic, they say. You know, a lot of people are born very positive people. And those are the people you want around you, the ones who are upbeat, positive. They're not Pollyanna-like, but they're, they're sensible. But they're always looking at the positive side. They're always looking at that. But it's a skill that they say if you weren't born being a positive person, you can perhaps develop that skill at any age. And it isn't about ignoring life's, life setbacks. Of course not. It's about approaching the tough times in a productive way, in a positive way. And as you look at life, and I've been living this now, what, 66 years, I look at it as life is, is a series of problem solving, right? Wherever you go, there'll be problems. That is a given. And the question that, that we have is, 
how do I address those problems? How do I solve those problems? Am I the victim or am I the problem solver who can help others do that? And being a victim is a choice. Do you choose to accept the victim mentality? And I refuse. I don't want to be – because when, when I – if I want to accept the victim mentality, it means that I'm underestimated, that somebody is assuming that I don't have the wherewithal to solve my problems or at least to ask for help, but I don't need your pity. Don't pity me because I can solve this problem or find somebody to help me. So how can I train myself to be optimistic? And those are important skills. Number one, they say, is spend time with optimistic people, right? Surround yourself with your, I say, your circle of sanity, those people who keep you upbeat. And it's similar to what I was talking with somebody last night at this gathering of friends. Uh, there was a lady who was telling me, I, the older I get, the more I don't tolerate negative people. <laughs> and it, she says, I don't want to be around them. I want to be around positive people, people who can laugh, who have a sense of humor. And you know, it's, you know when somebody will bring you down, the Debbie Downers, that you spend time with them. And when they leave, you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I wish I, I had a drink or I, I need some chocolate. I, I, I just – that person makes me so depressed, right? Uh, if, if somebody in my office comes in like that, I have this white sage clearing spray that I get from Sedona, and I spray the room because that – their whole essence has just brought everything down. You can just feel it. You can just feel it. So if you want to avoid that <laughs> – Get a friend that's positive. Why do you think animals do so well? Why do you think people want dogs? Why do you think that in this time of pandemic, people have adopted more rescue animals, pets, dogs than ever? I watch people when I have lunch and they're walking their dogs. There are more dogs than I've ever seen before because animals, especially dogs, are very positive, right? They wag their tail. They're happy to see you. They don't hold a grudge. You know, you know what they're, if they like you, they don't, but you know, but the majority of time they're, if, if they're your pet, you're the master, as they say, they love you. They have unconditional love. They live in the now. They're joyful. Uh, they don't get pissed off at you. And so they're upbeat and positive. So it's about embracing that optimism. But so identify at least five positive people and surround yourself with them. Uh, reach out to them, be friends to them, because hopefully that becomes viral. Hopefully the optimism they exude makes you laugh, makes you positive, makes you look at the good side of things. And those are really those type of friends. I look around my closest friends, and they are truly what I value my close friends, are the most positive people I know. And, and we reinforce that. You know, nobody makes fun of anybody else. We laugh to, with each other, not at each other. We're humble, we're hardworking, but we're also sympathetic, but we're also looking at the positive side of things. And, and that really is important. So I say create your circle of sanity, those people you go to. It doesn't have to be times of stress, the people whose presence you enjoy. And even more important, your significant other, your spouse, your life partner. Aim for somebody who's positive, who smiles, who knows how to laugh with you. That is so important reframe negative situations, right? Look at it in a different way. Switch it around. When something bad happens, ask yourself, was there a potential to an upside to this, right? One door closes, another door opens. Retrain your brain to think something positive. Somebody once said, gee, I was, I was rushing to get to an appointment. I was so mad. Traffic was horrible. I was really upset. I was going to miss my appointment. And then the reason traffic was bad, there was an accident. Somebody died. Had that person, you know, the way they reframed it, had I gotten on time, I don't know. Could I have been that person in the accident? Could I have been the one who had died? I missed that. That I was not the one there, right? Um, so look at that. Reframe that negative situation. Reviving that. Minimize your exposure to negative news, right? And I had one of my sweet ladies who's 91, reads an avid reader of the New York Times, and I was talking to her one weekend, and she was just so upset. Her blood pressure was up, and she was going on and on. I read the Times. I said, stop reading the paper. Nothing you can do right now is going to change what's in that press right now. Put it away. If you want to group it later, read it later. Because if you put it away, nothing's going to change. That's done. Just put it away. Go play with your animals. Go for a walk. It's not going to impact you right now, and it's not. And what you can do is just going to make you more upset. So don't do that. And I know people since the election, they, they don't listen to news. They listen to, you know, country western. They do other things. 
So if you know it's going to upset you, don't expose yourself, right? Why keep exposing yourself to toxicity? Don't do that. The other things to do to train yourself to be more optimistic is try meditation or something that my friends call moving meditation. If you tell me, okay, sit down, meditate for 20 minutes and repeat your mantra, I'll go crazy. I, I, I can't do that because uh, my mind will go back and forth. We'll try different things. But if you do something they call moving meditation, and I do that when I drive in my car. I'm driving. I keep the radio off. I look around me, but I try to clear my mind. I didn't focus on the car. And what's interesting, different thoughts will come to mind, and I sort of ease them out and focus on something else, focus on driving, different little thoughts. And then you sort of manage that onto what your focus is. If you walk when you meditate, breathe. Focus on your breath and focus on that stillness of that moment, the mindfulness, which will help relax you and calm you down. The other aspect of that people recommend uh, is called adopt a mantra, a word or a slogan you say over and over again. For example, accept those things you cannot change, right? In the serenity prayer, accept the things I cannot change. I say it's all in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And I tell people, surround yourself in your bubble of bliss. Focus on that. Aim for that. But there are sayings that you can adopt about how to keep yourself positive. And I do say it's all in God's hands. And there's a reason and there's a purpose for everything. So I'm going to end our, our show today with a positive message, and that is to be kind to yourself, be optimistic, be positive, and be loving. And, and with that, you can make it a better place and better world. So if you believe that every person you touch and every group you're a member of can be better because of you, that's a good thing to aim for. How can I make this a better place by being a better person? So with that, I'm going to end our show about pause and reflect and what's next and seeking a new normal and taking advantage of this difficult time to turn it into something great. So have a wonderful day, a wonderful month, and we'll talk to you next month on House Calls. On House Calls. Have a wonderful time. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.